Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. And on day 338, we come to Judges chapter 6, which begins the tale of one of the most famous of all the judges, Gideon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which is truth and which reveals to us who you are and your will for our lives. So we pray that you would speak to us through the truth of your word and write it on our hearts and build us up in faith in Christ for your glory in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter 6. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, they would encamp against them, and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, they would come like locusts in number, both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out on account of the Midians, Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. 
and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cake and put them on the rock and pour out the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. That night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day. He did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerob Baal, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he had broken down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizarites were called out to follow him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. And they went up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, and it was so. When he rose early in the morning and squeezed out the fleece, he wrung out enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. 
Well, that's Judges chapter 6. The story of Gideon begins, what will be for the next couple of chapters as well. But uh, this is not a great, great time in the history of Israel, is it? We've been seeing this cycle, and Mike pointed out a few days ago that it's a cycle that was a downward spiral. They would, you know, be brought low by their enemies, and they would repent, and they would cry out for help to the Lord, and the Lord would raise up a judge who would deliver them, and they would be faithful as long as that judge lived, and then the judge died, and then they would wander away from God and be unfaithful, and God would bring them into oppression by their enemies, and, and they would repeat this cycle, but it would be a downward spiral because every time it got worse. And this the step that it got worse here that's indicated is that in verse 6, we see Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord, to Yahweh, to their covenant Lord who brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. But they didn't stop worshiping Baal. They didn't stop worshiping Asherah. They were trying to just add back in Yahweh to their pantheon of gods. And God sends a prophet to them and calls them to repent. He tells them, I am the Lord, the God of Israel. I led you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of slavery. I delivered you. I gave you this land. And I told you explicitly not to fear the gods of the Amorites. That would be Baal and Asherah. But you have not obeyed my voice. And of course, the people heard the voice of the prophet and they repented and they destroyed the Baals. Nope, that's not what happened. They persisted in their worship of Baal and Asherah even after they were brought low by the Midianites, even after they began to cry out for help to the Lord, even after the Lord sent a prophet to confront them in their sin. They are hiding. And then Gideon. Gideon is not exactly your ideal hero, is he? He is met by the Lord while he is beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, most likely, almost certainly a pre-incarnate appearance of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God the Son, the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, comes to him and says, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, there's both irony in that, because mighty man of valor, he's beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. But it's also a prophetic word, because God is going to make him into a mighty man of valor. When God speaks what we are, he makes us that by his grace and for his glory. So there is some irony there, but there's also a promise, a prophecy of what Gideon is going to become by God's grace. Now, Gideon doesn't exactly fall on his face and worship the Lord and give homage. He starts to argue. He starts to question. He starts to wonder why the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midian. Like, and I'm thinking, Gideon, look around you. Your dad has an altar to Baal and an Asherah besides it. And you want to know why the Lord has given you into the hand of Midian? It's a little bit obvious, don't you think? Didn't you hear the prophet that already came and spoke the word? But So even Gideon is not 
a man who's tender-hearted and who's grieving over this idolatrous sin of his people and who's earnestly seeking the Lord. No, God comes to him. God calls him. And he objects. Sounds kind of like Moses here, right? Objecting, how can I do it, right? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. That's similar to David, by the way. Bethlehem was a very small little place among the tribe of Judah. And David was the youngest of the sons of Jesse, not even worthy to be counted among Jesse's sons. Also reminds me of one who comes into the world later, who is from a very small town, from a very obscure family, born under questionable circumstances. How could he be the savior? This Jesus of Nazareth, son of the carpenter, born illegitimately, right? God doesn't need us to be great in and of ourselves. He makes us great. Of course, Jesus was great in and of himself. But Gideon here is, he's right. He himself is not anybody to do anything. But the Lord says to him in verse 16, I will be with you. So Gideon asks for a sign. And God gives him the sign. He goes and gets the offering. He puts it on the rock. Significantly, he puts it on the rock. Fire comes from the rock at the staff of God. The staff of God representing the authority should remind us of Moses' staff and Aaron's staff. The, the rock, Christ, fire from the rock consumes the sacrificed. And Gideon is amazed. And he's also concerned because he's seen the angel of the Lord face to face and he thinks that perhaps he's going to die. But the Lord says to him, peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. And so Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and calls it, the Lord is peace. But there's still work to be done because there's still idolatry right there in Gideon's own family. So he has to tear down the altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. And he's afraid to do it. Not without cause, but he doesn't even have the courage. He's going to go and take on the Midianites. And he doesn't even have the courage to confront his own family and his own clan. So he goes at night with ten of his guys, tears down the Asherah, tears down the altar to Baal, rebuilds an altar of stones there in order for the Lord. And he offers the second bull on it, in keeping with the word of the Lord. Now, some people point to this and say, see, you don't always have to worship at the appointed place. You can do your own thing in your own place. Gideon wasn't doing his own thing in his own place. This is not undermining the regular principle of worship. Gideon is doing what the word of the Lord commanded him to do. We worship according to the command of the Lord. And that's what Gideon is doing here. And so he offers up what God tells him to offer up. And the people are so hard-hearted, they're so unrepentant, that even after being oppressed by Midian, even after being confronted by the prophet, even after having the Baal altar torn down and the Asherah cut up, they just want to go and kill Gideon because Gideon has done this horrible thing. They weren't doing a horrible thing by worshiping Baal and Asherah. Gideon was doing a horrible thing by tearing down the altar. Joash intervenes. I love Joash's words. Even though it was Joash who was responsible for this, he does have an eye-opening experience and says, hey, come on. Are you going to contend for Baal? If he is a god, 
let him contend for himself because his altar's been broken down. I think Joash here is starting to realize this guy, Baal, is not really a god or he would have stopped my son from doing this. But they're starting to see the truth a little bit. right? So Gideon, filled with the Spirit of God, sounds the trumpet, calls together Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali. Really the same kind of coalition that fought um, under Barak and Deborah in chapter 4. They're kind of brought together, some of these northern tribes, to fight against the Midianites. But even at this point, Gideon is still not ready to lead God's people out. It's going to take a while. We're going to have more of his delaying, more of his questioning, more of his um, having to learn to depend upon the Lord. But here he does this test of the fleece. It amazes me how many Christians will take this passage and think it's a model for us of obedient, faithful living. You know, we have to do our fleece test to know if this is the Lord's will or not. This is not Gideon being obedient and faithful. This is God being gracious to Gideon because Gideon's afraid. The fear of man has gripped Gideon's heart and he's still afraid. He knows it's the Lord who's called him. He knows it's the Lord who sent him. But he asked for this test of the fleece and God graciously condescends and gives him this, this double miracle so that he could see the truth of it. God is very, very gracious. So we'll continue this in a couple of days when we come back to Judges. But again, we're seeing that the people of God, without a king who is righteous and holy, without having the law of God really written on their hearts or being faithfully taught to them by the Levites regularly, they fall into this horrible state. And the book of Judges, sadly, is only going to get worse from here. But thankfully, we know the greater judge who has come the one who is, the one who confronted Gideon, but is himself become the true man of valor and the true deliverer of God's people, and who never put the Lord to the test. He refused in his temptation of, by Satan, refused to put the Lord to the test, but obeyed everything God told him to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for your faithfulness to your people. Thank you for your graciousness and your condescension and your patience because we are foolish and wayward and we're stubborn and hard-hearted and slow to obey. And you're kind to us. You're patient with us. You're gracious to us. But let us not take that as an excuse to be lazy, to be passive, to be presumptuous. But let us take your grace and your kindness as motivation to repent and to more earnestly desire to glorify you because you are so worthy. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's Judges chapter 6. Thanks so much for joining me for this time in God's Word. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be back in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Have a blessed day in the Lord.